Stacked to the near side of two wideouts. Adrian rolls the pocket, looking to take a shot down the field. Fires it for two. Ray makes a catch midfield. 40, 35, 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Nebraska. Zone read. Fake the handoff. Throw it down the middle of the field. Wide open. Austin Allen. 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Nebraska. Welcome to the Unlimited Sports Daily Podcast. I'm Peyton Thomas. Today, what does it mean to be the voice of Nebraska football? You'll hear from Ben McLaughlin of the Huskers Radio Network, who has worked alongside Greg Sharp for a decade, and then from Greg himself, who is set to enter his 14th football season behind the microphone this fall. Welcome to the conversation. So tell me, where does the Greg Sharp story begin? Well, Peyton, I, I was kind of fortunate I, at a young age. I knew I wanted to be a sportscaster, and I, I didn't have anybody in the family that was a journalist or in the profession at all. Uh, my dad was far from it. He, he worked uh, for a, a big company and had kind of a management role. And so I, I kind of found my own path at a young age. At age seven, I, I, th- I would sit in my room on a football Saturday and kind of do my own scoreboard show and monitor games and listen to broadcasts from all around the Midwest. And uh, so all my life, I was just kind of building my my resume up and to try to get a career in broadcasting. So I've been very fortunate to land some some really fun some fun jobs and, and work with a lot of great people and certainly uh, pleased and honored to be the, the voice of the Huskers since 2008. Before the era of where like high schools would kind of do their own uh, you know, internet broadcasts or podcasting. That wasn't even a thing when I was that age. So I would write for the school newspaper. Uh, I wrote for a county paper. I would recap uh, high school football, basketball games, whatever it may be. So my first actual on-air experience was at the collegiate level, working for a college radio station. I went to K-State and worked for their college radio station. And that's where I started to call football and, and basketball and some baseball games there. And uh, they had a local cable outlet that would do a Friday night television broadcast of a, of a local game, whether it be the, the local high school or one of the county schools. So that's where I got my first real chance to go on the air and, and call a broadcast. So not until I got to college was I able to do some of that. Grew up in the Kansas City area. My mother went to school at Nebraska. She grew up in Southwest Iowa and came over here to Lincoln and finished her college degree. My dad uh, was a Kansas grad. So I always kind of joke about that when you mix red and blue, you get purple. And that's how I ended up at K-State. My older brother had gone to Kansas State to be an architectural student. And so I would go up and visit him on weekends, got to meet some some broadcasters uh, in broadcasting school there. And uh, that's how I ended up at K-State. So at what age did you first get the call from Lincoln to have the opportunity to call a Nebraska game? Well, out of out of uh, college, uh, I went to work at the flagship station for the K-State Network, and this was in Topeka, Kansas, and did sideline reporting for them, uh, did some pregame shows for them, did some basketball fill-ins when there would be a basketball-football conflict and the, the football broadcaster had to go be with the football team. I got a chance to do some games there. And then in 1990, at the end of the 1995 football season, at that time, the voice of K-State was a guy by the name of Mitch Holtis. And Mitch now is with the Kansas City Chiefs. He decided to go be do the Chiefs full-time and open up the K-State job. And so I became the voice of the Wildcats in 1996 and was their play-by-play announcer for football, men's basketball, 
for six seasons. And that was, that was a real kick to be able to be the, the voice of my alma mater for six years, had six terrific seasons, had an undefeated regular season in football for K-State. And then in 2002, K-State went through a rights holder change, which we're kind of going through something similar right now in Nebraska. And the new rights holder wanted kind of their own imprint on on the play-by-play job. And so I was out at K-State. So I went and did a daily talk show for the station that I was currently working for. Um, And so in 2004, Nebraska was putting together a what they call a third-tier TV package for basketball, and it was with Fox Sports Midwest. This was pre-Big Ten Conference, and the Oscars were in the Big 12, and you could do your own thing for basketball. And they called one day and said, hey, we're putting together this third-tier TV package with Fox Sports Midwest. Would you be interested in coming up and doing about eight men's, two couple of women's games every year on Fox Sports Midwest? I said, absolutely. He just loves Nebraska. Um, you know, his mom grew up a big Husker fan, and you know, although he didn't really grow up in the state, you know, he's always had an affinity to Nebraska athletics. And that's where I got my foot in the door in, in Lincoln, and then the job opened up here for the football job, and at the end of the 2007 season, and I quickly said, "Hey, I would love to have a crack at this job," and was fortunate enough to get hired in early 2008. Started with baseball. Uh, that very spring, and then my first football season here was 2008. Five on a play clock. Four, three, two, one. They stab it it off. And Adrian keeps himself offside. Touchdown! Adrian Martinez faked the handoff to Ramirez off the left side. He's in there, and the Huskers lead again. Oh, I thought he gave it. So being at K-State for so many years... You didn't work in Lincoln, but you've had experiences in Lincoln, going here as an away broadcast crew. What was that experience like for you as an atmosphere of the city? Obviously, it was the heyday of Nebraska football, and so it may have been a little bit different than it is today. But as a college town in the Midwest, I hear a lot of people say that you know Lincoln's different. It has a different fan culture. It has a different atmosphere. Did you experience something like that? And could you ever see yourself, when you were a K-State broadcaster, potentially moving over or saying, okay, this is a place that would be pretty dang cool to work in? Oh, no question. I mean, it was one of the great trips every fall. It was the chance to come to Lincoln and, and call games here, whether it be football or basketball. The, the Devaney Center was a great atmosphere. And Nebraska had some pretty good teams in the late 90s and early 2000s on the hardwood. So it was always fun to come to Lincoln. It was an easy drive to get up here and, and come experience this. And, and it is. You could tell right away it was one of the most magical places on a Saturday in the fall it was Lincoln, Nebraska. And so it was a tremendous time to come up here and, and, and call games. So, yeah, I had a great appreciation for that. And, and with my mom and, and her brother, we're both huge Husker fans. So I certainly grew up knowing all about the Husker tradition. Was it supposed to be a, a long-term gig at that point? Did you know that it could have blossomed into what it is now? You're heading into your 14th season this fall kind of a season. It was kind of a career ending type place. This is a place you you come and you stay. You don't come and then look to job hop out of here. This was one of the prime places because of the great history of Nebraska football, the passion of the fan base. We have one of the highest listened to broadcasts in the country with the, the great passion of Nebraska fans across the globe, not just here in, in Nebraska, but from coast to coast in the United States. Greg's one of those people that's sneaky competitive. He doesn't like to lose. And I think that that shows up in his work, you know, and his passion and his calls when Nebraska does well or has a big play, you can, you can hear the passion and it's real. You know, a lot of times in this 
profession, you know, you end up in places that you don't really have a lot of ties you're unfamiliar with. And, and that passion can be forced, can be fake, can be maybe disingenuous at times. That's not the case for him. I think he's just, when good things happen, he's genuinely excited uh, um, for the program and, and, and for himself and for the fans. And I think you know, that comes across in his work. And I think that's why, you know, people like him so much is because, um, you know, he, he's an extension of what the fan base is. And he's a kind of that good middleman between a program and a fan base, which is really important in a play-by-play guy. Our post-game Collins show, we get calls uh, from people all over the world who call it and have uh, their opinion about Husker football. So, no, this was not a stepping stone job at all. This was this was could be a final destination job. And I knew that when I took the position. All right, Greg, I want to get into what the last 13 years have been like for you in what you describe as a position that you may never leave from. Like you said, it may not be a stepping stone, but we'll take a quick break and be right back. From the Iowa 2, Smothers looks over the defense. Brewington in motion. Give it off. A run following the block is Logan Smothers. He is in. Touchdown, Nebraska. Yes. What a start. Welcome back into the Unlimited Sports Daily Podcast here with Greg Sharp of the Huskers Radio Network. Greg, I want to talk a little bit about your style. Every broadcaster has their own style. It's not a an industry that can be perfected. You have to put a personal flavor on what you do. And so I'm curious how you would describe yourself as a broadcaster and what you believe sets you apart in this industry. Well, I always tell people I, I, I want to get a very, I want to be energy. I want to have great energy excitement. I want to be informative to the audience. I want them to know about the game. I want them to feel what the game is about. But I also want it to be about the players on the field. I don't want to be the story of the game. I think that's that's not the that's not my style. It never has been. Greg knows a lot about sports. Football is much different than baseball. You know, football is a lot more involved. It's a lot more intense. It's it's high intensity. Um, you know, from, from start to finish baseball is so not that way. So, you know, his football style is much different than his baseball style, which, you know, is, it's almost a necessity, but, you know, I would, I would, I would describe his football style as somebody that not only is describing, you know, what's happening, which is the job of a play-by-play guy, but he, he does a great job of mixing in football knowledge and, you know, provide a little bit of what a color commentator provides and, you know, just some of the, you know, the intricacies of the sport and, you know, to, to hit on all levels, which is extremely difficult to do in in football, because when you're doing a football broadcast, you have listeners that have been around their game, the whole, their whole lives and know the ins and outs of the sport. And you also have people listening that don't know what second and six means. And so I think you have to be able to cater to all audiences. And I think Greg does a really good job of that while um, still being at the level of somebody who knows the sport a lot and is hanging on his every word and mixing in that knowledge, I think that's what makes him special. I, I got a great lesson told to me when, during one of my internships by Kevin Harlan, who's a great broadcaster for Turner and also CBS, who said, Greg, you always need to know who your audience is. Well, my audience are clearly 99.5% would be Husker fans listening to the game. So I feel the pain. I feel the pain of the fans when things aren't going well. I feel the elation of the victories. And when you get to know the coaches and players, you certainly uh, get wrapped up in that as well. So I would describe myself as a guy who brings great energy, is prepared for each broadcast that I go into, 
and somebody that also can have some fun from time to time because because there's sometimes particularly when you're calling the sport of baseball long broadcasts and sometimes you get some lopsided games you better be ready to to kind of turn into be a bit of an entertainer to keep people's attention you work you sort of alluded to this you work for the huskers radio network do you call the games differently than you would say if you were behind the mic of a national station or behind the mic of of some other broadcast that's coming in as as sort of a third party that's fully impartial because as much as you want to be that you know who your audience is and you cater to that no question you absolutely call because you're working for the school uh, broadcast group that that's again going back to knowing who your audience is, if you're doing a Westwood One broadcast where you are a third party, yeah, then you play it more down the middle. But uh, yeah, absolutely. That's my audience. My my advertisers are advertising to my audience and the audience are Husker fans. We've also gone through a, tra- a transformation here in Nebraska within the last 12 months is now the broadcast currently is an in-house broadcast. It is run by the athletic department. Before I was an employee of Learfield or IMG or one of those companies where, yes, we were an arm of the athletic department, but we had a little bit of independence where we could say some things and do some things that we're really not allowed to do now that we actually work for and the paycheck is coming from the athletic department. So no question, the broadcast that I would do for Nebraska football would be completely different if I was working, calling it for a Westwood One or some national entity. Well, I also want to touch on that, what it is like and the differences between working as an independent, even if you are branded as a, a Huskers station and then receiving checks from the athletic department, because now, I mean, your broadcast network is, is has extremely close ties to everybody within the athletic department. And I know you mentioned that when the Huskers lose, that network does sort of feel some of that pain because you're so closely connected. I know Matt Davidson, who you work with for most of the Husker football games now, has played for the Huskers and still somewhat works within or around the the athletic department. And that's certainly a different dynamic. No question. Matt, when Scott Frost was named the head coach, actually went to work for the athletic department uh, and the football division. Before that, he was not. So my first eight, nine years here, Matt was not with the athletic department. He was kind of with me with Learfield or at IMG. We're, we're limited in what some things we can and can't say. And now that we're employees of the athletic department, we can't talk about recruits. We can't talk about mentioning names of recruits, or maybe we could before. Or if somebody had committed, we can mention, oh, we got a great quarterback and Adrian Martinez that is committed to Nebraska football. Can't mention a, a committed kid's name now until they've signed their letter of intent with Nebraska. So there are some different rules that are in place now that I am an employee of the athletic department. And that's new to me. That that just happened July 1st of 2021. So I'm not even a full year into that. It really affects Peyton, our talk show, our nightly show, Sports Nightly, because that was a show that was predicated on a lot of recruiting information. We can't talk about it now that we're actually being run and employed by the athletic department. And just to provide a little context, this is not the norm. Most colleges can't afford or they don't have the same influence to be able to take those media rights in-house. And so even the home broadcasters, quote unquote, are not tied directly to the school or getting paychecks directly from the athletic department. I'm curious if you think the atmosphere of NIL and all of the recent changes around name, image and likeness will change the way that you mentioned players uh, in the broadcast going forward. Do you think that has any impact Uh, Or have you seen any changeable or like um, noticeable impact so far? Yeah, I think it's going to have a huge change on it. I think you're going to start hearing athletes endorse products and you're going to start hearing maybe commercials within the broadcast of athletes endorsing products for clients. 
Uh, I can see an era where, you know, you, you do maybe a pregame interview with a young guy and you're giving out his Twitter handle. I mean, I, I can see it coming to that point in time where their athletes are going, I'll do this interview, but you got to, you got to mention where people can find me. Where can they get my Instagram account? Where do, what is my Twitter handle? Uh, so I think we're really, we're just getting our toe dipped into this water of NIL. We're not a year into it yet. I think it's going to have a huge impact moving forward with college athletics and probably how we do our jobs as far as broadcasters. Greg, tell me about what an average week looks like for you preparing for a Husker football game. Because I know the process doesn't begin on game day. You don't show up at Memorial Stadium an hour before kickoff and say, all right, who are they playing? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I feel like I, I'm probably working on Husker football even today. You, you sniff around what's going on at the other campuses of the schools that Nebraska is going to play next fall about what's happening in their spring practices. You, you study teams throughout the spring and summer to learn what Northwestern's going to be like for that game in August. You start to learn about what Michigan may be like, the team that Nebraska will play later on in the season. So you're always kind of keeping your eye on what's happening around the country, and in particular the opponents that Nebraska is going to be playing in the fall. As far as the team, I'm constantly around the team. I'm constantly around the coaches. So I'm learning things a little bit here, a little bit there with pretty much every passing day. But once you get into game week, I think everybody has, we're, we're creatures of habit, right? We we kind of have our things. I, I start building my charts for the opposition on Monday and Tuesday, where I start to memorize names, start to learn numbers for that team. Uh, I'll go back then on Thursday and kind of freshen up my Husker charts, update stats, those type of things. I might have to add a, a guy to my chart because somebody has been hurt and so somebody else has bumped up the depth chart. But yeah, you kind of have a, a routine as you get through football uh, Monday through Friday to get ready for that Saturday broadcast. And people ask me about the differences between calling baseball and football. Well, that's the difference. Baseball, we don't even know who's in the lineup until about 45 minutes before the game. So yes, you do some prep work for baseball, but you you can you study the starting pitchers maybe a little bit, but you're not sure who's going to be batting third on a certain day or who's going to be hitting seventh or eighth. So it's completely different getting ready for a baseball broadcast as it is football. So football specifically, when you wake up on game day and you head over to Memorial Stadium, this is an intricate operation. I mean, it's not you and and Matt usually sitting in the booth just with a couple of microphones. You guys have a lot of help and support staff, and there's a whole crew behind you that helps produce and make the show really a production what it is because that's that's what it is. Uh, tell me a little bit about all of those other people that are working behind the scenes to make sure that everything goes smoothly and you can do your job to the best of your ability. Well, when you, when you produce a four hour pregame show and about a four hour postgame show, there's a lot of people that have their hand on, on that. We have two full-time producers. We have a full-time engineer who makes sure that we're technically ready to go. We have pregame hosts, postgame hosts, former athletes who do just maybe a couple of hours of a pregame show or maybe host that postgame show. So there's, I would guess, probably about a dozen people that have their hand in the broadcast, whether it be somebody who has an on-air function or somebody who's back editing highlights, punching the buttons of the show, uh, making sure that we're technically hooked up correctly from the booth or, or for a road game, a road location. So it, it's a pretty big group of people that put that on, but it should be. If you're put, filling 11 hours of, of airtime, you have to have a lot of different hands in that jar. So it is a pretty big, massive undertaking 
uh, we're all, I know, pretty tired by Saturday night or Sunday morning, whenever the broadcast ends and ready for a day off, because there's a lot that goes into a football broadcast to get it ready. And we hope that the people enjoy every little bit that we put into those broadcasts throughout, throughout those 12 Saturdays in the fall. Brewington in motion. Snap back. Logan follows the block. He's off the right side. He spins. He twists. He's in. Touchdown, Nebraska. Greg, would you consider yourself a local celebrity? Oh, I don't look at it that way. I I think that I, I currently occupy a position that was there long before me and will be there long after I leave. So I don't really consider that. I do understand, Peyton, the magnitude of what I do and represent and that what I say that carries some weight. And so, you know, if, if I'm mad on the air or I get upset on the air about something, that's going to that's gonna be flood out to people and they're going to take that and go with it. So I, I know there's a big responsibility that comes with this job. But as far as a celebrity, no, I consider those to be singers and actors and those people, not a guy who gets to have some fun and call a football game. Greg cares a lot about people. You know, he's a very critical thinker, but at the same time, he's a very caring thinker. And he, you know, he genuinely likes to build relationships with people. He's great with strangers that he meets um, when we're out to dinner or, you know, walk into the team bus or, you know, in the airports or whatever. And, you know, someone recognizes him and stops him. He's, he's fantastic with the fans. He's relatable to about everybody. Um, he goes out of his way to make people feel, you know, important and, and that he's not above anybody. Um, but then when you really get to know him, you know, just as a person on a day-to-day basis, you know, he's, he cares a lot about you. He cares a lot, a lot about your families. He cares about your, your situations, your well being. you know, he'll advocate for you. You know, that's where I feel like Greg and I's relationship so special on the air is because we have a great relationship off the air. And, you know, when we put on the headsets, we know exactly what each other's thinking. We know exactly how to rib the other one when they need it, make fun of them when they need it, have fun with them when they need it, at the same time, get serious when they need it. And, you know, that's what really makes, you know, doing broadcasts with him fun, at least on the baseball side of things, is because we care about each other so much away from the microphone. And none of that's faked or forced with Greg. And I think, Anybody that you talk to that knows him or his, or his wife or his kids would tell you the exact same thing. How does that change your interactions in your daily life in public with Husker fans? Because I'm sure there's a good amount of people that do recognize you and do know, hey, in the restaurant, that's that's Greg Sharp. That's the voice of the Huskers. No, it's a, it's a fair question, and I'm glad you asked that because I do, t- I do understand that. I do know when I'm out in public, people are watching, and, and I have to treat people well. I mean, if, if, if I'm not out there treating people well, it looks bad on the Huskers not just me, but on the Huskers and it can go back. And I think that's a big part of it. Treat people like you want them to be treated and and respect that fans get excited. They love, they have great passion for this program. And I'm part of that. Uh, You know, I've got the biggest microphone of that group, but I'm part of the, the, you know, I'm just kind of like a coach or a player. People are going to look and see how I act and react in in public. And uh, how do I handle a, a big win or how do I handle a tough loss? Those are things I know that, that come with this job. What would major Nebraska football success mean for you in terms of just job atmosphere and what it would mean going into work every day? Well, it's a lot of fun. I mean, in, in, in hey, game days in Lincoln, as we talked about earlier, is a really special thing. And that's what makes this place pretty cool. And people come from all corners of this state. And I think Nebraska realizes that they're kind of a, a they're an institution in this state. I mean, it, they're, they're a recognizable thing across the globe is Husker football. 
and it means so much. And that's why the passion is there. And that's why 90,000 seats get filled up. And that's why we, you know, may have, have 60,000 in a spring game where a lot of schools, including the Michigans of the world, barely draw anybody to their spring game. Team success has a lot to do with, you know, how everybody, um, I don't want to say goes about their business, but obviously when the team's doing well, and there's a buzz around a program like we saw, for instance, last spring with baseball. You know, it's 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 a really fun um, situation to be absorbed in. Sports is very powerful and it does send an image of what you are across the country. And chancellors and presidents will tell you that they know it's a big part of fundraising for colleges, for maybe the business school, for the journalism school, what will have it. If you are winning in your big sports, it does reflect back on you in a very positive way, probably, and it does help student recruitment across the country. I imagine the University of Kansas is getting a big bump right now after winning the national championship in college basketball. It just does. And it's certainly, it's a, it's a huge way of getting your messaging out across the country. So Greg, we began by figuring out how you got to Lincoln and what it's been like for you in that time, what it's been like for the Nebraska, I'll say football program, but more generally the athletic department. And I want to look ahead into the future. What should Husker fans expect from you in the next few seasons? What's, what's ahead in your professional career and your personal life? Well, I think, you know, keep Keep holding me to a high standard. We've put on good broadcasts, I believe. Keep me to that level. And I think that's our goal each and every week. Even when the Huskers aren't very good on the field, I always tell our guys, I said, let's put on an all-conference broadcast today. Well, I think Greg would tell you that he doesn't have a legacy yet because he doesn't have a championship. I think, you know, it's it's just as important to him as it is any coach to, to win and, and to, you know, win a regional or to win a conference championship in football, to make a big bowl game, to make a Rose Bowl. That's really important to him. Ultimately, you know, Greg's going to be remembered for how he treated people, you know, his passion for the sports, the time that he invested in all the programs, further than just what the game notes would tell you, you know, getting to know the coaches on a personal level, um, building relationships with assistant coaches and, and the support staff, the equipment guys. I mean, um, that, that, that's just really important to him. And, and that's more important to him than nailing a big touchdown call or, um, you know, doing a big pregame interview with Kirk Herbstreet or anything like that. That, that, that stuff's way more important to Greg, you know, d- did everything that he could to advocate for the teams that he was covering, whether it be to the people in Nebraska or, um, to people nationally on radio shows or whatever opportunity or platform he's been given to speak. I think that's, you know, that's really important to Greg is, is to pass the messaging of what Nebraska is all about to people. I mean, we we may not be a championship team right now in the field, but that that shouldn't affect what we do and how we call the game and how we present Husker football to the masses out there. So let's put on a great broadcast. So I hope people hold me to that standard, and and I hope that I can live up to that standard week in and week out. Husker football is at at a tipping point. I mean, this is a big year. It's been a lot. It's been way too long for this program to not be in postseason play, to not be in primetime games that mean a whole whole lot nationally and and battling for a spot in the playoff and battling for a Big Ten championship. It's just been far too long. And so hopefully all that happens, but I can't control that. I can control what the broadcasts sound like, and hopefully we continue to put out high-quality broadcasts. Greg has a, he's got a sneaky sense of humor. You know, you meet him and you hear him do football and, you know, football's obviously so different than, 
than um, than really anything else that we do at the network um, or did at the network, I should say, um, because it's so serious and you know it's, people you know bleed Husker Red. But when you get to know them outside of that, and even when you listen to our broadcasts pre post and even during the games, you, you can get a sense on his dry witty sense of humor, even more so on the on the baseball side of things. And um, it's it's that it's that type of uh, personality that that I remember more so than the serious intense call driven Greg that you know he's trying to nail that interception call or whatever um it's it's what makes him fun to be around you know when you're traveling and you've got long long road trips away from your kids and your family and you know you've got a long week of work ahead of you when you've got the the sharpieisms as we call them um you know in your head and you're having fun on a broadcast it, it makes it a lot easier and less stressful so don't sleep on Greg's sense of humor you know, it's just great to be a part of this wonderful university and part of an athletic department that has had tremendous success down through the years, whether it be with the sport of football or volleyball or, or baseball, which I'm certainly happy to be a part of that. And we are winning conference championships in that sport. So hang with us. Keep the passion. Keep the faith. I think better days are ahead, particularly for Husker football. Once again, it's Greg Sharp of the Huskers Radio Network heading into his 14th season as the play-by-play announcer for Husker football. Greg, thanks again so much for joining me today. I really, really enjoyed it. Peyton, I enjoyed it as well. Thank you. And thanks to Ben McLaughlin and everyone who made this story possible. And of course to you for listening to the Unlimited Sports Daily Podcast with me, Peyton Thomas. And I hope to talk to you again next time.